Hi everyone and welcome to Cybersecurity Career Talks. I am Nilofa Tamboli, your host, your coach, your teacher on this journey with you exploring different roles in cybersecurity until you find your dream job. I have with me today Shrikant Nagarajan and Shrikant was the senior security architect for the city of New York and now leads And, and Shrikant now leads uh, uh, two companies and uh, they have enterprise as well as uh, public sector uh, uh, customers. Uh, Shrikant, uh, can you please introduce yourself a little bit? Thank you, Nilafar. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, good morning, uh, wherever you're joining from and good evening if you're joining from India. Uh, we really appreciate everybody joining today. Uh, Thank you, Nilofar, for setting this uh, Career Talks uh, session. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have found it very useful in the past sessions and uh, hope we will be very useful for uh, this session as well. So myself, uh, Srikanth Nagarajan, I've uh, been in cybersecurity for the last 20 plus years and uh, done the various roles. Uh, I'm sure I like all of you, rose up the ladder from network uh, administration, network uh, architecture, and moved into cybersecurity and done various roles in cybersecurity architecture, information security management and advising cyber, uh, CISOs on architecture and uh, uh, cybersecurity programs. Uh, right now I run a cybersecurity consulting practice. Uh, we have clients in public sector and enterprise. Uh, I welcome all of you again and hope uh, we can make it very useful and interactive for you guys. Uh, Shrikant, if we, before we go a little further, let me just uh, share our disclaimer. Sure, please. The views expressed in this presentation and during this session are the personal opinions of the participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of their respective employers. This discussion is a volunteer-led effort to contribute to the profession and pay forward the many kindnesses and instances of support and guidance the participants have received during the course of their career. Thanks so much. So take it away, uh, Shrikant. You want to share Thank your you. I'll uh, start sharing my screen. Once again, welcome uh, all of you. Um, so if there is any questions during the presentation, please uh, feel free to put it in the YouTube chat and uh, Nilofar will be monitoring that. Uh, so then we can get an answer during the course of the presentation. Thank you. So I'd like to start a lot of my presentations on career talks uh, with a small uh, uh, Zen story, right? Uh, to emphasize what's important to focus. It's, there was a, a martial arts student, he went to his teacher and asked him, uh, I'm learning the martial arts from you. I would also like to learn from a, another teacher to get better. Like, you know, a lot of us try to focus on too many different things. Like, you know, I want to get better thing, at things. I would let me go this way, that way. So the teacher told that particular student, if you are going to chase two rabbits, you're not going to even catch one, right? So uh, fundamental, like 
uh, I always try to tell people like the quality of your life depends on how much you focus on and what you focus on. And hopefully you guys are here, you're focused on security and we can help you, uh, you know, modify your goals and how you want to accomplish that. So with that, let me go into, uh, so I want to set the context here for where the security architect role belongs to. I'm sure we had a lot of talks before talking about various security roles. Um, people are in different uh, positions in their careers. So there's uh, some of uh, myself, including I started from network administration, network uh, architecture background. A lot of people start with application background. Uh, they're developers uh, interested in uh, uh, security. They move towards that. Some of them are system administrators, like operating system admins who are then focus on security. So they move up the ladder. They can get into a security specialist position or an analyst opening or an engineering uh, opening uh, or, or consultant, uh, uh, things like that. Uh, we talk about those things. And then uh, some of the higher level positions, once you get an experience in security field for a three to five years, now you get into an architecture uh, position. So we'll talk more about what the architect position means. And that's kind of leads you into the higher level openings within security, uh, like uh, Nilofer pointed out in that, the high paying jobs and, and some of the more responsible uh, positions if you really want to focus and get into security and these are the openings, right? So, so these are the different type of security architects uh, that I've seen uh, in the industry. I'm sure there are others too, but typically these are uh, enterprise security architect, uh, which handles an overall business uh, alignment with the uh, technology and security. Uh, we work in conjunction with enterprise architects. Uh, and then you have the infrastructure architects or a network security architects who work typically in uh, designing the networks, designing the you know, server infrastructure, data center infrastructure, et cetera. And then you have application security architects who really focus on applications who have a development background and they understand uh, how applications are designed how it can be uh, resiliency can be built in, how uh, various stacks talk to each other, et cetera. And the new one that currently, uh, which very popular, I'm sure you heard about, it's a cloud security architect. So we'll be talking uh, in detail about some of these and also especially about the one cloud security architect, which is uh, currently in hot demand, right? So what is the difference between an enterprise architect and a security architect, right? So first to define an architect, one thing people need to understand what an architect does as an engineer does, right? So a lot of us come from technical background. Uh, some of you may be from more uh, policy or uh, non-technical background, depending on that. But most people coming into the security field I've seen are from technical background. So we have our technical hat on all the time and we try to uh, design things or we try to uh, implement things. So the architect typically is not somebody who designs or implement things or they, they are one that actually tries to match the business requirements with the technology requirements. So architects plays kind of like a middleman between a, a technology organization and the business organization trying to match what is really required by uh, the business to accomplish their mission, right? So that is what an architect generally does. And enterprise architects address this from a pure technology perspective all across the organization. They try to align business with IT. And security architecture kind of falls into the same realm in terms of uh, building a relationship be between the enterprise architecture team and the security team and bridge that gap and make sure whatever architecture is built by the enterprise architects 
and uh, matches the security requirements. So they bring in the security flavor into the job role, right? So that's how typically it worked. And they typically have a relationship with enterprise architecture, security teams, the technology operations people. And they also, security architects, keep in touch with the peers in the industry to figure out what uh, current regulations are needed to be understood. They also try to influence the policies that are set in the organization and so that the architecture is being rolled out as uh, enterprise IT operations, they are secure, right? So that's the goal. So this is a typical uh, two different organizations, how security architects fit into the overall scheme of things, right? One is an organization which has a pure CIO uh, technology stack uh, or, or technology organization uh, vertical and the security architect fits into that organization as part of the enterprise architecture. And the security architects try to report to the CISO from a security function perspective from a dotted line relationship. This happens in slightly um, medium-sized organizations, right? In a large organization where there's a dedicated uh, security architecture team, uh, it's typically uh, the team itself contains multiple uh, roles within the security architecture, like infrastructure, application security, cloud security, et cetera, right? And they report, they actually work with the security architecture, enterprise architecture teams to provide that uh, security purview, if you will, right? So some, what are some of the skills that are uh, commonly required for a security architect? Uh, one of the th skills is business and technical skills, right? You need to understand overall risk management. How is it something uh, an organization uh, uh, is undergoing a particular uh, enterprise technology project, what are the risks associated with that particular project or technology that's being uh, utilized? I'll give an example here to drive home the point. Like, for example, let's say there's a financial firm, fictitious firm uh, that we are talking about. Uh, they have a, a specific uh, circuit or a, a link communicating communication link now, the requirement is that as part of the regulations, they are required to encrypt the uh, traffic, right? And uh, if they bring down the link, the business is going to cost them, you know, how trading floors and other things work. They, the business is going to take a hit of $5 million, right? If they do not uh, do the encryption, they will get a regulatory, uh, potential regulatory penalty of $2 million. Now, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Can you give an advice in this particular situation? What should they be doing? Should they be bringing down the link, enable the encryption, and take the hit of $5 million of business? Or should they be worried about, okay, $2 million of fine, and just say, okay, I'm going to just pay the fine, right? So I would like to hear from you all during this course, uh, if, if you can just put in your chat windows, uh, what do you think they should be doing, right? So that's part of the risk management aspect of it, right? How would you identify the risk? So Srikant, Srikant, yeah. just so everybody knows what the question is. Yeah. Uh, can you just repeat it one Absolutely, more time? Yeah, so I will repeat the question. Uh, so basically we are talking about a fictitious organization and they have a requirement to encrypt the communication link uh, in order to comply with the regulation. If they, so the, the conundrum is now the architecture team is set with this uh, question. If I bring down the link, the business is going to lose $5 million because the trading is lost. If I do not bring down the link, I will be uh, getting a regulatory fine of $2 million. Which 
option will they select and what do you think is the right approach just to get uh, you guys thinking uh, give us uh, your feedback on the chat channel so and we'll talk about that scenario sure and uh, i'm getting like a bunch of questions sure uh, we'll one of them is from uh, uh, riyad and uh, he is or she is asking that uh, um, they are like a certified solutions architect and yeah. what should i do next to start in cloud security so i don't know like certified solutions sure. architect yeah, solution sir. architects typically are in the uh, enterprise architecture uh, function if you will they are doing uh, the next level so there is the business level architecture and then there is the technical architecture so they are in the technical solution architecture uh, phase uh, the way they can get into security is Uh, cloud security is learn the cloud security uh, cloud platforms first understand how security is implemented them and learn uh, certain tools and techniques that are well required in cloud uh, security like uh, cloud access security broker identity and access management within the cloud uh, you know single sign on solutions and how do you secure containers for example and understand the overall threat landscape if you look at cloud security alliance uh, is one of the organizations that is public organizations that helps uh, understand the overall risks for cloud uh, i would recommend take a look at that and maybe you can look at some of the certifications there uh, or you can look at some of the certifications from isc uh, which is at uh, like the cloud security uh, professional ccs uh, uh, ccsp or so those things is very will be very valuable for somebody with that uh, background we already have a technical background sure and uh, so so to your question reena says that uh, regulatory is highly critical so she would go with the that's a as a good good uh, answer uh, this that particular situation there's really no one answer right so as a business that is the kind of uh, 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 questions and 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 decision making that you are faced with where an architect comes into the play where they try to match the business requirements with the uh, technical requirements as well as the security requirements so the business might choose oh uh, i i'd rather not lose 5 million dollars from in my profit and uh, i still make 3 million dollars right uh, and then pay the fine so so that is the kind of a business uh, alignment that has to happen and also figure out yes from a long term perspective i understand yes regulatory is very important uh, we want to be make sure it is regulatory uh, com- uh, compliance is uh, uh, complied with uh, but when you're making a decision on a on a particular uh, uh, requirement perspective you want to consider both sides of the coin right? so that's where a lot of times when we wear the technical hat uh, i have been in that same shoes where uh, as a as a firewall engineer or a security engineer we tell them oh you cannot open this port or you cannot uh, you always the security department is always called the no department uh, and i think we have gone from that point to become to i think we need to become the yes department and how do you do it rather than saying no you all need to learn i mean and from a security perspective learn how to say yes oh by the way you cannot do that but you can do this and come up with a solution so that's why security people are uh problem solvers and security people are solution oriented so that's some of the technical uh, uh and the non technical skills required like if you look at it uh, you also if you are doing application security architecture you need to know threat modeling threat modeling is a a, a very useful skill uh, which is 
very scarce in the market. If somebody can learn that, there's a lot of job opportunities in application security. Uh, in fact, one of the presentations, uh, last presentations that we're talking about, somebody knowing application uh, development can get into this application security architect role. It's a perfect match because people have the right uh, understanding of applications. So threat modeling is basically how a hacker will try to attack the application and coming up with the various scenarios and, and designing the uh, uh, you know, solution for that and pro providing the prevention mitigation uh, solutions for that, right? So that's the architecture and tech, tech modeling. Uh, some of the non-technical skills, if you look at it, they need to be proficient in reviewing the existing architectures and also be able to rank the risk. Like the scenario we talked about, you have to be able to rank the risks uh, and figure out which risk is of a higher, uh, uh, you know, potential. Uh, it is not about vulnerability is there, that means there is a problem. If you take a server architect, uh, oh, we run the vulnerability scan, there's like hundreds of vulnerabilities. Do we really go and fix everything? It may not be feasible, right? In a real life environment, what are the real exposures? Are we really exposed? And what is the attack surface that is exposed to the outside? And can it happen? And what is the real uh, threat? Sure. So, so we have to take that view as well. So Melvin, I'm just going through a bunch of questions. There are a lot of comments and discussions going on. Sure. So Melvin says, from a business perspective, security products business uh, protects business and data, but profits keep the business running. So <laughs> good point. Very good point. That at the end of the day, the business exists to uh, be in the you know to be available and, and be in the business of making making profits and to be uh, uh, you know. To be in the community so if the business doesn't exist then the, you know so that's something we always have to keep in the back of your mind we exist for the purpose of business and and when you keep that mindset you're always going to give them a solution that actually makes the enable their business so you want to make sure cyber security is an enabler for business rather than trying to say oh you cannot do that you cannot do that so that that has to that mindset change has to happen and that will make you a successful security uh, professional whether you're doing engineering or architecture I compare myself when, like, I, I, I was a parent of uh, two teenage kids, right? Now they have grown. Yeah. But it is like, if you tell them not to do something, then it's not, it's not a good thing, right? Because they're going to find a ways to do it. So okay. it's better to show them how to do it safely, whatever it is that okay. they are trying to do. Right. And as, as helping as a business partner, probably security plays that role too. Yeah. Like showing how to do it in a safe manner right within way, budget. The right approach to do it. And, and, and part of that is awareness, creating the awareness within the organization. And that's part of the architecture, architecture role also to create awareness uh, among the various stakeholders uh, to identify why, why they need to do certain things and what is the real risk and what could potentially happen. So you are the SME from an organizational perspective. So from a certifications for architecture, security architect, I've seen CISSB being one of the very common ones, which allows you to get into security. You need at least five plus years experience in IT and show some uh, that you have done some security work uh, in different areas. And that allows you to get the CISSB. And CISM is again, information security management uh, and uh, certified uh, security uh, knowledge professional and CCSP. Those are cloud related uh, certifications, which we will, uh, which is, more prevalent nowadays right? because cloud everybody's moving to the cloud. Um, and again, you need to be more of a self-starter in uh, architecture because a lot of the things 
people are bringing in, you have to be able to persuade uh, that the right way of doing things like you just mentioned, you have to be able to convince people are, want to, you, you're kind of going against the flow because people are have a certain flow. They want to do certain things in a certain way because that's the easiest thing to do. Uh, but what is the right thing to do is something as a security architect you're going to bring in and say, okay, I think this is the right way to do it and this is the right solution. So you are more of a solution architect and a security architect. To, to take it because if you as a security person, you need to know all the technologies, you need to know all the application, at least at the basic level. You don't have to be in-depth, but you need to know all of that to be able to have a very meaningful conversation with the enterprise architects, right? So these are some of the roles and responsibilities uh, that is associated with the security architect role. They work very closely with enterprise architects. They do uh, business technical artifacts, which means uh, you want to create patterns that are reusable, security architecture solutions. So that when a business is trying to do something, like let's say they want to do remote access, you come up with an architecture blueprint for remote access, uh, especially during the covert. What are the various risks? Uh, you try to address those risks, you know, people using their own computers at home. What are the risks associated with that? Uh, what if that com computer is, doesn't have proper antivirus? How do you check that? Um, and things like that. So the, this coming up with these various scenarios and uh, potential risks that are to the organization and designing the solution, working with the uh, technology architects is, is, and then coming up the blueprint and say, so any anytime new uh, solutions are being built, use this blueprint. So that way you have already built the knowledge base uh, from your expertise. And you also contribute to uh, overall project and portfolio management uh, within the organization and research new technologies. So again, you're acting like a R&D for the organization from a security perspective or the SME. So anything that's new going on, like participating in forums like this, trying to share the knowledge. So you get more information from different forums and be that uh, you know, leader within your organization for security. And you are to be a very good communicator as well in terms of trying to articulate for non-technical people in some cases, what are the technical risks, right? At the other side also, there is a technical people you have to explain them in a very technical for, uh, format, uh, what are the risks associated with that, and they may not sometimes see it in the, in the way you're seeing it. So you have to be a really good communicator uh, if you want to be in this role, right? So unless there are any questions, Nilafur, uh, we can get into the frameworks. Yes, please. Sure. So what are some of the frameworks? So what is the framework? Uh, I'm sure you would have seen various frameworks in IT, right? Uh, but what is the purpose of a framework? Framework is, so let's say you're starting to implement security for a particular organization. Uh, I mean, there are multiple ways of going about it. How, I mean, you could go and do an assessment and figure out what's wrong and try to fix it. One of the things that frameworks helps you is to have a very comprehensive view of what needs to be done for an organization. So it's a good starting point for any security program to adhere to a framework. Frameworks are designed uh, based on a couple of things. One is uh, by vertical industries, like if you have health, you have high trust. Uh, NIST CSF is a very generic framework available for mid-size to large-size organizations. Uh, and then there's a FedRAM for government-based organizations, which is a framework available. And a lot of organizations, international organizations use ISO 27001, which is again a program framework, which is very comprehensive. Uh, it's very intensive to implement and there are certifications available to comply with that. It, it views the 
uh, organizations credentials with their customers that their systems are uh, compliant with the, the ISO framework, right? Uh, some of the other type of frameworks are regulatory frameworks, like certain organizations which are dealing with credit card data, uh, the PCI Standards Council requires certain security requirements uh, to be followed by these uh, organizations that handle credit card to make sure that customers, consumers, uh, uh, credit card information is protected. Same thing with HIPAA, any organization dealing with health data, uh, these are government-based regulations, Re government slash, uh, you know, quasi-government regulation. NERC is another one for all electric regulatory authorities. And I'm sure you are familiar with GDPR, which is a overall more of a privacy and a security regulation. So now that other topic is coming in where, you know, we talked about what is the impact of privacy uh, in security. Yeah, that is also becoming more important. People are more concerned about not just security, but privacy of their information, right? So there's going to be slightly merge of those two fields, but there still is a chief privacy officer in an organization that handles the privacy. But a lot of the security controls need to also address privacy uh, of the information, right? And other control-based control, control -based framework are more for doing assessments and really technical-based uh, framework, like OWASP is one for application security. OWASP top 10 is very famous uh, to validate whether applications are built to the standard. A CIS benchmarks, uh, Center for Internet Security, is one of the very famous benchmarks you can use for server uh, operating system hardening uh, they give you benchmarks is available for free and i think they also sell you something where you can do an automatic assessment but it's available for free you can download and checklist uh, operating system security uh, are you doing by the right uh, you know by the best practices all of that is incorporated into that another framework is cobert uh, i'm sure nilafur has a lot of background in that she uh, she's a risk professional uh, cobert is again uh, it uh, IT assurance uh, framework, if you will, are you doing the right things by IT? Uh, it addresses all the audit requirements uh, and, and assess, uh, assessment requirements from an IT perspective. So those are best practices frameworks uh, from a controls perspective. So, so I would suggest as a security architecture professional, you need to know at least one framework in each of those categories. Um, like NIST CSF is very common, uh, it's very generic. It allows to be extended to various industries. So people don't have any particular framework in their organization, I would recommend just go over the NIST CSF. Uh, unless you are in a specific industry where your high trust is related to health industry, which is very, very active. They have their own uh, cybersecurity framework, high trust framework. Uh, but if you are in, not in any of that, then you can just go with the NIST CSF. We need to know that. I think NIST CSF is the one valuable uh, thing to know. And other than that, uh, depending on the industry, you need to have awareness of the specific regulatory frameworks. And control frameworks, I would recommend OWASP, knowledge of OWASP and CIS. Those two are very valuable. And the ISO 27001 is also like a very common Correct. framework. ISO 27001 is very uh, commonly implemented for international organizations. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that is something it, it, it to get, get certified in ISO 27001 is a, a little bit time involved. Uh, so if you really want to get into that, you could do that. There's lead auditor certifications for that and you can really get into that. That in itself is a pure auditing type role that you can get into. Uh, but from a security architecture, it's good to know that framework because it's just very uh, comprehensive. Uh, NIST CSF is one good thing about NIST CSF is that it is extensible and it allows you to define profiles on per industry basis. So you can take that and adapt it to whichever industry you're working on. 
and you can show that uh, you know that you are following a framework true thank you thank you so much and certifications that you typically uh, you start with the technical certifications like ceh where you want to understand as an architect why security is important why you are uh, why you need to protect things and how your because as an architect you need to know how a hacker could potentially exploit your system so it's very important you have some sort of technical background on the security side which is a ch allows you to do that and then you get into cissp cissp is a, they as they call it it's a one inch deep and one mile wide uh, what it is is basically it is not an in depth ex, uh, exposure into every single thing but it's a larger information uh, bank of things you need to know as a security professional and it's a it's a very large volume of information you need to uh, you know assimilate in order to be successful with that certification but it's really worth it because it it gives you different there are 10 domains you need to uh, familiarize with all the domains which kind of covers all the areas of security so i would, for somebody starting in security as well good certification um, specific within csp they have something called isap issap which is an architecture professional where they talk about security architecture so that's for somebody who has already taken cissp cism is a good certification for a uh, um, getting the management overview of security uh, which allows you to get a picture of okay what is what is a business alignment mean uh, why you need to align business with security as well as how do you establish a governance so that security is consistently followed within an organization uh, those kind of fact concepts are discussed there it's not a technical certification it's a, it's a kind of a, a governance plus management certification so it's a good for somebody who's been in security for 4 or 5 years to get that so you can move up the chain right and there's some industry specific ones like the scada security architect uh, the gisc certifications again offered by sans are very very uh, valued equal to the cissps uh, but they are i'm sure you all know that the training is a little bit on the expensive side but if you up to it or your organization can sponsor it uh, go for the gisc certifications as well on my architecture perspective from an enterprise architecture there are frameworks available like togaf sapsa zacman these are uh, enterprise architecture framework but they do have security touch points sas sapsa especially is a framework defined for uh, security uh, you can look it up and they, they do offer some certifications so that just gives you a little bit more edge in the security architecture side uh, gives you that uh, beyond the cisp and cism any questions on uh, elopor that we can address uh been a bunch of comments but uh, sure. okay so 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 uh, reena and i think riyad want to know if there were you do you recommend any threat modeling training classes threat modeling training classes uh, uh nothing specific uh i can probably uh, get back up on if there is a way to do that uh, but i would say there's there's some tools like there's free tools like microsoft threat modeling tool uh you can you can use that as a base starting point it allows you to define your uh, system um and identify what is under risk uh, so i would recommend that uh, specific training classes i think uh i can i can get back to you on the threat sure, modeling sure. really so i know a very good trainer Go and i will uh, like reach out to me i attended uh, like obviously my company had uh, invited him 
Sure. But uh, he is extremely, extremely good. He's called Brooke. And yeah. I will share uh, via LinkedIn. So let, reach out to me on LinkedIn if you are interested. And maybe we can set something up and, you know, we can um, have a yeah. class if enough people are interested. Absolutely. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, go ahead, please. So this is one thing I promise we will, we will have a more in-depth conversation about. Uh, this is currently, as you can see, with, especially with COVID uh, pandemic, people are working from home and every organization is establishing a remote access strategy and they realize that it's all not, doesn't have to be in the data center anymore. Things are going to move to the cloud and there is a huge uptick in the cloud adoption by various organizations. So obviously if the people are moving to the cloud, they need to understand how security is implemented in the cloud. And it's so important, especially things that are not under your control in data center, you, you manage your data center, whereas cloud is, is a shared responsibility model where uh, the cloud service provider is responsible partly for the security and you're partly responsible. At the end of the day, you as an organization are ultimately responsible for the security department, regardless of whether you host it in the data center or in the cloud. So it gives you a little bit more responsibility, but, and it's a shared responsibility model. So you need to understand things like, what are the risks in the cloud? Uh, I would strongly recommend people take a look at Cloud Security Alliance's uh, Cloud Controls Matrix, uh, which is a really good comprehensive uh, cloud risks uh, identification and uh, you know checklist tool. Uh, and then what are the different uh, architectures available in the cloud? Uh, you know, the various models of cloud implementation, IaaS, uh, PaaS, SaaS uh, models, right? And what are the various risks within that? How, how is administration done within that? Uh, what are the uh, uh, cloud security frameworks, right? Uh, CSA, again, is a, is also has a framework for cloud security. Uh, so, Nilafur, uh, is there any other cloud frameworks that you're uh, uh, familiar with other than uh, the CSF? Are there... Anything on the CCSP? You you have pretty much covered it, you know? Okay, okay, that's good. Yeah, this is okay. very comprehensive. Good, um, good. And so I, I like, like Cloud Security Alliance because you can just sign up and even like download even study material and stuff for free. Yeah. And uh, that can be like a very good education in itself. It, so it, I, I'm a And it also has a checklist, the Cloud Security uh, Compliance Checklist, uh, uh, which con controls metrics. And if you're going to a cloud provider, you can, they fill that out. All the cloud providers actually fill out assessment. It's a self-assessment. Self-assessment questionnaire. So you can look it up and see which ones are uh, meet your security requirements from an organizational perspective. Uh, so how do you do things in the cloud that's that's uh, differently in as done as opposed to done in the data center? So there's where you have all your technical requirements. Uh, how is uh, how is identity access management done in the cloud? Uh, what are the different questions about how, once you move off of your data center, how do you manage your servers? How is the patch management being done for the servers? Uh, if you're using containers uh, in a pass environment, uh, how is the containers uh, securely configured, how, the configuration management for the containers? Uh, once you go to SaaS, you really lose control of the servers and the infrastructure. The SaaS provider does all the security. So you need to do assessment, like use the cloud security matrix assessment to see how is the SaaS provider uh, benchmarking versus other providers? Are they following any standards, best practices? Uh, and you have to start asking the questions to the providers and, uh, and understand 
what is the overall security of their uh, what is the best practice they are following what are the incident response uh, uh, you know policies they have if they ever get compromised how they are notify your organization uh, things like that are very important when you move up the chain from ias to a saas because now you're giving more responsibility to the cloud security provider so you need to know what they do uh, and then again the native cloud security tools that are available Uh, within the various platform like you take aws they have cloud trail logging they have uh, uh, terraform templates where you can define security as part of the build process uh, so you have a lot of opportunity so instead of looking at us okay people moving to the cloud oh i am not concerned about security it's a great opportunity uh, to moving to the cloud you can do it right where you can define the things to be built securely from scratch right fixing security after a system is built and go live is done cost typically 5 to 10 times more than fixing it during the build process so that's something a study has been done so it's you you rather spend more time during the build process during the design phase engage with the various teams try to give the, give them the uh, feedback on the right way to do things so in order for you to do that you need to understand the various cloud architectures you also need to study at least one or two cloud uh, providers uh, designs i would recommend getting certifications in one of the cloud providers like aws or azure uh, and becoming an architect a solution architect or a solution engineer in their uh, technology allows you to understand it better so you when you're talking to cloud cloud teams you know what needs to be uh, done and how to do it right right so you need to know what needs to be done and how to do it right right so both of that is important from security perspective uh, and again the, from a perspective how all of this in the business side uh, what happens with data moves to the cloud uh, data sovereignty and things like that whether the data is going to be residing in the us or going outside of the borders are we affected by regulations like gdpr so those kind of things also need to be considered from a cloud architecture uh, perspective so it's a once you get into cloud architecture uh, you are now dealing with a completely different gamut of uh, things uh, that you need to be aware of uh, and getting a cloud security certification uh, would also be a good thing uh, once you understand the cloud first understand the technology behind the cloud get some basic cloud certifications on and establish that technical knowledge on cloud and then get the cloud certification uh, like ccsp or ccsk one of those will be valuable to get into the cloud security uh, landscape sure thank you so much um there is a question but uh, probably like how to go with uh, web application firewall and ddos services how do i practice probably like i think oas has got a bunch of um, vulnerable uh, applications so maybe yeah. that could be a good starting point uh, but what do you feel yeah uh, i think that's a, that's a good idea so if you are trying to <laughs> implement wow uh again if if you're doing it in the cloud there are a lot of services available uh, like akamai is one of the service uh, they allow a waf uh, templates to be built in front of the web services in in the uh, deployed in the cloud uh, but uh, if the if the if ddos is also a requirement you can add on additional functions like a distributed denial of service uh, available from the same provider some of the csps also provide ddos functionality and waf functionality but some of the leading uh, providers of waf also make it available in the cloud 
So those are the options if you like to uh, use that. But specific question about you want to test a vulnerable application, I think I agree with you. Yeah, basically OWASP has some test, uh, uh, Billy Goat, and there's other couple of applications where they give you a, a known, uh, you know, vulnerable application where you can just practice against use like I would recommend, you know, if anybody is trying to do that, they should use uh, download a, an image of Kali Linux uh, and go against this test application within a closed uh, laptop or in your own uh, private uh, device, uh, private lab environment uh, where you can build a virtual virtual center and uh, virtual machines or uh, virtual box, uh, something like that. Bring it up and then you can test within that. Uh, that gives you the practice. So Melvin uh, says that uh, your um, like extensive and comprehensive scope, we need to uh, be aware in architecture, the only one thing to remove or dispute with the political navigation and the leadership section. Right, I think that's more from a, it depends on the organization. If you look at it, the CISOs typically do that. Uh, so architecture, uh, it really depends on where the architecture function is uh, tied into and if it's reporting the CISO, CISOs typically do that. Uh, it's more towards, uh, uh, you know, it, it's more more towards that and you allow the CISO to do that because the, at the end of the day, CISO needs to establish the priorities uh, within the organization. Like I said, business I, uh, alignment with security. Uh, a lot of times that the balance uh, tips on where there's more power, right? It's not always like security gets to do everything that we want to do. Uh, it, uh, it defi it's defined by the business vision and how much of uh, risk the, willing, the business is willing to take. So one of the factors that influence that is something called risk appetite. So risk appetite is how much of risk the business is willing to take in order to be in business, uh, both from a regulatory perspective, both from a uh, you know, threat perspective uh, and a risk perspective, right? So these these will define what uh, is the risk appetite and that this defines what actions they take and what actions they don't take, right? So that's how it typically works at workshop. Sure, sure. And Abhijit's got some other uh, question about some sure. applications that are vulnerable. See, here's the thing, Abhijit. We are talking about the security architect role and I don't want to um, have the side conversation right now. Um, we can definitely reach out to me uh, offline and we'll discuss and answer your questions. But just now for the benefit of everybody, we've got like a lot of people on this live uh, streaming, um, live stream right now. So let's stay focused on what is valuable for everybody instead of like, you know, going down a side channel. So I will answer your questions, but uh, please uh, let's take it offline. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Shrikant, yeah. please. So basically, like I was saying, <clears throat> the uh, so let me just give, give a little bit of clarity on the various uh, type of architect roles. And again, one thing, people come from different backgrounds, right? They, they are people coming from a network administration, network engineering background. They want to get into security. A perfect uh, opportunity for them, it would be to something like an infrastructure slash network uh, security architect. They'll be dealing with firewalls, IDS, denial of service protection, uh, infrastructure security, operating system security, etc. So that would be a good fit, natural fit for them coming from that background. Uh, somebody coming from an application development background, if they already know about coding, they know programming languages, and they have an interest in uh, security, they can get into more of an application security uh, 
role. And that uh, application security typically deals with things like uh, secure coding, uh, you know, code review. There are tools available that allows you to do code reviews and, and security awareness, uh, making sure the developers understand that uh, how to write the code securely, uh, creating training for them. It's more about awareness. Everybody is trying to deliver a product quickly. And at that point, the last thing they are thinking about is, okay, how do I do it securely, right? So you want to make sure that security is always their thought, in their thought. So the awareness is one important thing. And then uh, understanding the architecture uh, at the application architecture level. Application architects will spend a lot of time in doing development as a perfect fit for them to get into application security architecture. And another thing that is coming out right now, which is called the CICD integration, like uh, continuous integration, continuous deployment pipelines are being built where application deployments are becoming more agile. Like every week people deploy application, every few weeks people deploy new uh, code. Uh, so how do you integrate security into that? And that is another big challenge that application security architects are in a good position to deal with. And that's called CI/CD pipeline integration for security. Uh, so when things get deployed automatically, security is built into it, code security is built into it. Uh, things like uh, static analysis, then dynamic analysis is built into it. So application security architects deal with those kind of things. And then uh, penetration testing, vulnerability assessment, those things also are dealt with by them and they can work with the developer. So it's more about working with the developers. And if somebody came from the background, has a, have the language, the, uh, you know, the vocabulary to deal with the developers in a far better scenario, right? And then the third is the enterprise uh, security architect, which I, is, I would say is more of a business slash technical function where they're dealing with more of a deal with enterprise architects. architects uh, if an organization has that function, a lot of organizations just have solution architects. They don't really have enterprise architect. Um, although large organizations now having that, but if they have that, then working with them uh, and aligning the business requirements, that's where you're now dealing with things like strategic planning, uh, you know, potentially some amount of uh, political navigation or uh, business architectures and those kind of things and creating the architecture frameworks. Large organizations uh, cannot afford to do mistakes, so they want to have these frameworks established so they when new applications are designed already the technical solution architects know what to do they don't have to come back to every single time so there's already a framework defined um, you know so those kind of things uh, it will be done, dealt with by an enterprise security architect uh, and then of course you have the cloud architect cloud security architect which is the new thing that came out which is kind of both technical and uh, leadership and operational in nature uh, which allows you to get into the current uh, trend of what's happening in the industry. Uh, I would say, I mean, this requires uh, both infrastructure and some amount of application because the way, uh, the way cloud is deployed in itself is all code based. Uh, there is no physical implementations anymore. There's no manually setting up servers. There's no manually deploying applications. Everything is based on APIs. So when you want to build an Amazon image, you use uh, templates and you, you make sure the templates are securely configured and then you deploy servers. So people are deploying servers every minute, right? So there's no way you can go into the server and figure things out. So that's where some amount of programming knowledge will be useful for a cloud security architect role. Uh, I would recommend learning a language like Python. Even if you are from an infrastructure background, just learn Python. Everybody's finding it very useful, uh, especially doing some basic scripting figuring out that things are configured securely, you want to do that like for thousands of servers. You don't want to go there, sit and do that spreadsheet, right? You want to be able to leverage some skills you have 
deploy that using API and get that data you're looking for and come back with results quickly. Uh, so that's will be one useful uh, skill set uh, for cloud uh, security architecture and understanding the cloud environments. That's very, very important. I cannot stress the importance of that. Trying to understand what are the various services available in the cloud uh, service provider that we're talking about, Amazon or AWS, various. Amazon has like thousands of services. Even I, I would be surprised if anybody knows all the services, what it does and how you can leverage it. And developers are going to figure out faster because they know they are trying to use more and more so you need to also catch up from a security function perspective. Sure. So we have a question. Uh, it says, uh, which additional tools and skill sets are used by security architect if someone has to transition from a solution architect to a security architect? Okay. So some of the tools, if you look at it, uh, I think I would say the architecture, the frameworks is the real uh, you know, tool that uh, architects use. Uh, understanding the NIST framework, uh, there are tools available from NIST itself where NIST allows you to do self-assessment. Uh, so that is one tool. Uh, second thing is the threat modeling tool uh, that I mentioned about Microsoft threat modeling tool is one uh, example. There are a lot of threat modeling tools available, uh, commercial ones as well. Uh, so that's one tool you need to know. Uh, and then uh, uh, there are other tools that allows you to do architecture based on risk, uh, like a, there's a tool called Archer, uh, RSC Archer, which is basically allows you to, if an enterprise has a whole world risk management uh, program and they measure risk using some tool. Uh, so they allow you to uh, model all the risks into a system and you can do reporting based on that. And then based, you can use that information when you're doing the architecture. So knowing how to use Archer, uh, a risk management tool or a governance tool, uh, also is a valuable uh, skill set. Yes, Archer is um, useful because it is deployed like, um, I mean, very widely. Yeah. And uh, it has got like various modules like uh, what Srikanth was mentioning. It's got like a way to uh, handle exceptions. It's used for your um, SOX uh, reporting. And uh, um, th there are various modules, but uh, yeah, it, it is from a tools perspective, yes, definitely knowing Archer will provide you with a little bit of edge, you know. Uh, okay, any diagramming tool? That is, again, um, you can, you your personal Digio. preference. Digio yeah. is one good tool. Uh, and I've heard of a tool called Archimate, uh, which is also used for architecture diagrams. Yes. Uh, so if you're doing architecture, uh, some of the threat modeling tools, uh, uh, I'm familiar with a tool called IDS Risk, uh, which allows you to actually do a, uh, you, when you define the application within the system, it allows you to create a nice diagram. It outputs as a visio. Uh, so threat modeling tools, some of them actually uh, have the capability when they create the infrastructure details to allow you to do architecture diagrams. Uh, and from a high level perspective, if you're talking about it, uh, if you're creating, threat, uh, you know, security architecture, blueprint, and things like that. I would use uh, Visio, uh, of course, the regular office tools uh, to create that uh, type of, uh, you know, artifacts. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, uh, like, have you concluded this or like, are you? Uh, I, I mean, let me just check whether we can cover uh, one or two more slides. Okay, sure, go ahead, please. Sure. 
So I wanted to just give a high level overview of the various, the security architecture process, right? How does it really work? And how does it interlink with the regular business and the IT uh, processes, right? Uh, so typically what happens is you identify the business strategy and business requirements, which is a business analyst role. Somebody in an organization is trying to figure out what the IT has to do. And then you define what is the overall IT strategy, the governance related to that. And that kind of dictates what an IT architecture looks like. That's where the IT architects or enterprise architects are working to figure out how the architecture should look like. And security architecture just falls in that same line where you're, they're working with IT architects, making sure security functions are built into that, uh, into the IT architecture itself, right? And then what are the inputs that are taken by the security architecture folks is primarily the business requirement defined the risk strategy of the organization, how much of risk the organization is willing to take, which defines uh, what controls are need to be put in to, to make sure that the risk uh, is within the limits of what the organization is willing to take. Uh, that's where the controls comes in from the risk side. And then also the risk also defines what the policies are. Let's say organization uh, cannot have any user use USB drives in their USB uh, ports in their computer. That's a decision that business drives and that gets, becomes a policy. And that policy defines what standards that the organization needs to have uh, in terms of a desktop standard or a laptop standard uh, you know, image, which disables all, disables all USB drives. Right? And that defines what controls need to be there. And that is actually another input into the security architecture. And that's how the flow loop is defined. So you have a risk-based approach and then you have your uh, you know, standards-based approach. Another feed into the architecture is also the threat. Uh, which comes from external source. These are all internal sources. There's an external source where uh, at what actually affects the organization, who could, what is the potential exposure, who are against the potentially uh, trying to hack into the organization. That factor also comes in. Then you put all these things together, uh, then you define the solution from a security perspective. So this is the overall uh, security architecture process for people who just want to get familiar with this uh, Shrikant, you saved the best for last. So this was this was really good because it it provides like in-depth understanding to people who've joined here about what the whole process is and how it works, which is really priceless. I have a bunch of questions coming in. Sure. So one is uh, like you mentioned Python. So please tell us what package is good for uh, cybersecurity. This is from uh, Lata. So she wants to know. Uh, are you recommending any particular package or are you just talking about uh, 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 like a language uh, programming? No, like language? you've got like um, a bunch of Python has got like different packages, right? So I think like oh, packages, uh, yeah. I mean, nothing, uh, I, I would say just knowing how to program in Python, the basics, uh, it's not like any specific modules. Uh, it, 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 it's about how do you like automate things? Automate. You, it's more like scripting. How do you do things? I mean, you don't need to know Python to develop an application uh, or use it to create a module or use a module to specifically, uh, you know, develop an application. You are just trying to automate things. So it's more of an auxiliary skill, not necessarily a primary skill. It will be useful. You need to know all the other things that we talked about. It's just an additional thing which will allow you to do things quickly as you do the work, and especially in the cloud security environment. Yeah. Sure. And I think Python... 
Yeah, please go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I think Python is very versatile because I mean, just like knowing it doesn't matter in which area of cybersecurity work, you right. will come across some place where you know you just for your personal work also you just want to automate something, right. and this comes in really handy. Right. And uh, okay, there is another question which is uh, cloud. How mature is Cloud Security Alliance? Um, and then say yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. There is any question. No, the other one is uh, about Python. Do we need to learn how to code or just scripting? And I think we probably. I think uh, just scripting is what you really need to know. And then, of course, up, up to your interest, you want to develop something additionally, then you could learn. But scripting is what I would uh, be the application that Python will be used for. And answering the question on the Cloud Security Alliance, I think Cloud Security Alliance has been there for many years. Uh, is probably in the fourth revision of their controls metrics. Uh, uh, it, it's 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 very mature. They have addressed a lot of the risks, and it's also the, the good part about it is they 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 are in, they are driven by the community. So it's your inputs and my inputs and everybody's inputs as they use cloud uh, is being put into that process. The way they have a feedback process, so they are kind of documenting those inputs, which is nice because it's not necessarily this one person dictating things. It's a very community driven organization. So that's why I like that. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think they have covered a lot of the uh, cloud risks very well. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, thanks everybody. Next week, we are going to have another cybersecurity career talk with uh, Shabir Bashir and he's going to talk about the various roles that he's transitioned from. Because in cybersecurity, when you start off, it's not going to be the same career path. You will change depending on the circumstances, depending on what you learn, what you like to do. So he's going to, um, we're going to talk with him and learn how versatile you need to be and how to adapt to changes that are coming in. Um, thanks so much. And thank you so much, Srikant. I really appreciate it. And thank you on behalf of everybody here today. Thank you. Really appreciate it. If there's any questions, you can hit the uh, Link us on, uh, come up, come up on LinkedIn. Ask questions. We'll be happy to uh, share whatever knowledge we can to help you out. Thank you again, uh, Nilafur, for this opportunity. Really humbled and honored uh, to be able to uh, work with you and uh, uh, help the community that you're uh, helping to get get on board into cybersecurity. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>